Net, you're listening to 88.5 WMNF Tampa. Welcome to WMNF 88.5 FM and WMNF.org. You're listening now to the Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We have a special show today. It's an election year in Florida and Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is up for re-election. He seems to have an advantage in fundraising and in polls. But Democrats and others want to unseat him in November. There are a total of 21 candidates. As far as I know, this is the first forum with the three leading Democratic candidates for governor. It happened over the weekend. The Miami-Dade Democratic Party hosted a gubernatorial candidate forum. We'll hear most of that this hour. You can email us during the show to tell us who you want to win the primary. The email is dj at wmnf.org. You can also text 813-433-0885. If there's time at the end, I'll read a tally of who our WMNF listeners think should earn the Democratic nomination for governor. So right now, we're going to hear from State Senator Annette Tadeo, Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, Congressmember Charlie Crist from St. Petersburg, who was governor from t- 2007 to 2011. This forum was moderated by Jim DeFeedy from CBS4 in Miami, and it begins with the three candidates introducing themselves, starting here with Charlie Crist. And I want to thank Annette and Nikki for being here, too, and giving the people of Florida an opportunity, particularly Democrats, uh, to see us all have a civil, important conversation about the future of this beautiful state that we all love and treasure. We have a disaster in Tallahassee, and his name is Ron DeSantis. I am running for governor to defeat Ron DeSantis. But I'm also running for governor because I love Florida as much as I do. I love her with all my heart. We live in the best place in the planet. And I know that Florida is beautiful. Her people are diverse. The future is bright. But right now, it's dark in Florida. And it's dark in Florida because of our governor and the Republican legislature. And I know we can do better. Any of us will do better. And the bar is low. I mean, let's be clear. This governor has attacked LGBTQ, He has attacked women and their right to choose. He has attacked blacks and their right to vote. Uh, You know, I I like to say it, that, you know, it seems like Governor DeSantis goes to bed every night and thinks about what group can I hit tomorrow that's going to, you know, please the hard right Republican primary voters for 24, because that's what he's doing. He's focused on the presidency and he's forgotten our Florida. And my friends, Florida, she is not a stepping stone. This is a special, beautiful, amazing place with amazing people of broad diversity. And Florida deserves better. You deserve better. Annette deserves better. Nikki deserves better. And Jim deserves better. Enough is enough. We have had to deal with this guy taking away a woman's right to choose. And it's possible he may call another special session to double down on that. We have had a tragic recent rash of horrible shootings in Buffalo, in Texas, and what is the governor doing? I haven't heard him say boo about it. All right. I think we got the two minutes. So let's go ne- next to Annette. And maybe hold up the sign a little little more, vos- more, more aggressively. Annette. Thank you. You know, people are saying that Democrats can win, that DeSantis is unbeatable, but they are wrong. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, Biden had the worst collapse in Miami-Dade County history. 23 points less than Hillary Clinton, 15 points less than Gillum. But we lost because our party didn't fight back the attacks on socialism. I am the daughter of an American fighter pilot. He fought the Nazis in World War II, and he's my hero. And he was kidnapped when I was 17 by a Marxist terrorist group. So I'd like to see them throwing the socialism attack on me. And I'll tell you, I found myself at the age of 17, suddenly moving to Alabama of all places, where I found myself having to figure out how to learn English and learn to survive on my own. I will tell you that when I ran for state Senate, my party leaders called me up and said it couldn't be done, that I shouldn't run, that I couldn't win. But we did it, all of us. We made history. I became the first Latina Democrat in the Florida Senate and the first Hispanic Jew in the Florida legislature. So when I tell you that I'm ready for a tough fight, I am. And I learned that lesson early in college. I ran for student government secretary and I put posters all over the school that said Annette Tadeo for secretary. But on the day of the election, the posters no longer said Annette Tadeo for secretary. They said Annette Tadeo for deportation. Look, I lost that election, but I gained so much more. You see, that's when I decided that I was going to run for office someday, because what makes this country great is the strength in our diversity and our belief that in America, when the cost is just, you get in there and you fight for what you believe. So I'm telling you, I'm ready for this fight. I know that the climb is long, but I have beat the odds time and time again in my life. All right. <laughs> Nikki? Thank you, Jim, for hosting this evening, and it's great to always see you, Annette and Charlie, and it is incredible to be home back in Miami-Dade County. I was born and raised here. Uh, as I always say, my mother is a diehard Democrat. Uh, she was a preschool teacher for 25 years. My dad, though, is a diehard Republican, uh, so we, we don't judge, but we pray a lot for him. <laughs> uh, but I was taught in a household where you learn two sides of a conversation. You come together and you find resolutions for what is best for the people that you talk to. After graduating from Miami Palmetto Senior High, which is uh, also, as we know, is where Katanji came from, so honored to have graduated from the same school as Katanji. I then went to the University of Florida where I did my undergrad, my master's, my law degree, so go Gators to those who were in the room. Became the first female student body president in almost 20 years. And after law school, I practiced law both in Jacksonville, which I did not like. I was in commercial litigation and moved back to Gainesville where I was the public defender's office, where I saw up close and personal the injustice of our criminal justice system and knew that that always had to be part of my mission. And then I came back down to South Florida during the foreclosure crisis and took on the big banks protecting our homeowners. I have always been a champion of the people. And when you all elected me as your commissioner of agriculture, our only statewide elected Democrat, the only person to be able to win our state since Barack Obama, I knew that I had to be our standard bearer every single day standing up for what we believe in, fighting the nepotism, fighting the corruption of Ron DeSantis. But boy, did we get a lot of things accomplished. Creating the first ever hemp program in our state, <coughs> developing $380 million of economic impact, kicking the NRA out of our gun licensing. But boy, uh, we are not done there yet either. What I say to you Democrats, do we want to win this election? If we do, I am your only choice to do so. 
somebody who's been able to win our state, and I will do it again. So thank you. All right. And as I ask questions, we'll change the order in which people are speaking, so we'll, we'll go through it. But I want to, and there's a lot of issues I want to get to tonight. Some of them you've already touched on in your opening statements. But before I even go there, Annette really touched on it, and I want to start with this question for you, for you, Charlie. You know, I think, you know, it's probably the most basic question of all. Why do any of you think you can beat Ron DeSantis? He's going to have five times, if not more, the money you're going to have in, in terms of his campaign. He's, his poll numbers are strong, and this is likely to be a Republican year. So, Charlie, why do you think you could actually beat him? Because he's wrong on everything. Everything. He's wrong on women. He's wrong on blacks. He's wrong on the environment. He's wrong on public education. He's wrong on doing the right thing. He's just dead wrong Ron. And, and the people of Florida know it. He's under 50% in approval. He's underwater. And, you know, I don't care how much money he's got. I really don't. It doesn't matter to me. You know, they say money's the root of all evil. Well, you know, we've raised about $12 million. I don't think that's so bad. And I, I know we're going to probably outraise him. I believe it. Because uh, I know that whichever of us becomes the nominee, that this united Democratic Party is going to be united like never before. Really. And we have to be. We have to be. And when you have a governor like DeSantis who yells at children behind him at a press conference, that's beyond the pale. It really is, Jim. And that's not the kind of person we want as the head of the Sunshine State. I want to bring the sunshine back to Florida, back to the Sunshine State. It's gloom and doom under this guy. And all he's focusing on are red meat, hard right, not even general election Republicans, but Republicans just for the primary, and not even now, in 2024. He has put his personal ambition above the people of the state of Florida, and my God, you deserve better. All right, Annette? Well, I talked a little bit about uh, my dad, and I talked a little bit about the importance of the Hispanic vote. And look, my dad always taught me when the cost is just don't get in this, don't stand on the sidelines, get in there and fight for what you believe. And I'm in this fight because I really know that for this to work, we have to get back those percentages that we have lost, specifically right here in Miami-Dade. And I told you those percentages, but I will tell you, if we simply get back to the percentages in the top five counties with a large Hispanic vote, that would be an additional 350,000 votes. Please understand, this guy got elected by less than 100, than 30,000 votes. 30,000, that's it. So we have to win in the margins, in the areas that we know we have to win by a lot. Seven points, eight points in Miami-Dade, that will never do it. And I will tell you also that we have to have a candidate that people go out and vote for, not simply to vote against him being bad. And we have to have the story to get back those people, to get everybody excited to come out and vote. And let me tell you, there's a lot of talk about some new, but let's talk about how having an African-American woman running for Senate and a Latina right below running for governor. That would be something really new. All right, Nikki. So Jim, your question, I, I reject the premise. I know that we are gonna beat Ron DeSantis. It's not a think, I know. And let me tell you why I'm so confident. And Annette is right. He only won by 34,000 votes. And in a year, that same year, I won by 6,753 votes. The more amount of people that crossed over to vote for me 
We counted them. We know how many people. And we also know that he has absolutely have forgotten the state of Florida. You know, when I travel our state, regardless if it's in South Florida, Central Florida, North Florida, no one's talking about these culture wars. You know what they're talking about? How do I afford my rent? How do I afford to put food on my plate? How do I make sure that my, my grandmother gets the care in the hospitals and the nursing homes? That's what they care about. And that is the conversations that we as Democrats are doing every single day. I'm the first person who's going to be able to get into our rural communities and our agriculture communities since Lawton Childs and Bob Graham. We lost six to eight percent of the Jewish vote in 2018. I will get that back. I know that we are going to beat Ron DeSantis by showing something new and by doing things differently running campaigns. My second degree at the University of Florida is a master's in campaigning. I know how to organize us better. I know the approach that we have been doing as Democrats is not working. We've got to be supporting our bottom ticket. We got to be supporting our house races, our Senate races. And I don't care about the money. I have the people. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move to the issue of guns. We saw the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. We know that same pain here in South Florida from Parkland four years ago. After Parkland, the legislature did a number of things. They raised the age to buy a gun to 21. They created red flag laws. They moved to, whether you agree with it or not, they made some moves to try to harden schools. Are you satisfied with the gun laws in the state? And if not, what would you do Either be able to convince a Republican legislature to pass something else, or what would you do through executive order? And this starts with Annette. And I'd also like, if you could, tell me where you stand on assault weapons ban. But we'll start with you, Annette. Well, I'll start with assault weapons ban because I am actually a co-sponsor of banning assault weapons and have been every single step of the way, every single session when we have been there. Look. This is something very personal to me, and I do, I, I do want to tell you that there has been many nights where I have had sleepless nights trying to make the decision whether to send my daughter to school the next day or not, because her school has gotten threats multiple times just this year alone. So we have a lot of work to do. But if we want to talk about parental rights, how about the right to let our kids learn in school, read any book they want to read, and actually not have to hide under desks to train in case there's a shooter? So my vision is that we would indeed ban assault weapons. I think it's essentially, if we can't do it under the legislature as governor, I would gather the signatures because we know you don't need weapons of war to actually go hunting. The only hunting you do with those weapons is hunting of people and even worse, our own kids. So we have to have the leadership to get whatever is necessary because the people are with us. The people agree that our kids should not be learning how to defend themselves or how to pour blood from a fellow friend so they can pretend like they're dead. That's not okay. Not in America, not in Florida. All right, Nikki, you're next. But just to be clear, when you say raising signatures, you're talking about you advocate for a constitutional amendment if to ban be, assault weapons. Okay, I just wanted to be clear as to what you're saying. Nikki? In 2018, I was living in Broward. I had a lot of friends directly impacted from Parkland. I went down and I, I talked to a lot of the families and I talked to a lot of the kids, gave blood. This impacted our state and we're never gonna go back. We're healing every single day. But seeing those images from this week, 
and then having to watch my friend, my friend, Fred Guttenberg, go on MSNBC and CNN and rehash what he went through in 2018. And when I campaigned in 2018, for those who remembered my campaign, I had three W's, weed, water, and weapons. I promised that if I became commissioner, that I would be kicking the NRA out of my office. And we did that. We made sure that every single person had a, who had a concealed weapons permit had a complete and thorough background check. And we did that. And I also found huge loopholes in my program and tried to get the legislature to move on it. I stood with Fred and others in the legislative session time and time again for the last few years, supporting pieces of legislation to tax and to put ammunition at a 21-year-old age to buy and to make changes to outlaw ghost guns. There are so many things that we can be doing that we have not been doing. We know that there are ways for us to make a difference. What we have seen from this Republican legislature and from others on this stage is not it. Okay. Um, I just want to be clear because I wanted to get each of you. The, the, the question of assault weapons ban. Do you support an assault weapons ban? Yes, I've signed the petition. Okay. Charlie? Yeah, uh, thank you. The policy in our country today is insane. It's insane. When you watch what happened in Texas and you see all of those uh, children and teachers that were decimated and then the news that came out last night that law enforcement was there and waited for an hour to 80 minutes before they went in to try and save these people, that's insane. We have to have better law enforcement with better training. That is crystal clear to me. We have to ban assault weapons. The notion that we have assault weapons in our society is insane. Listen, I own a gun. I support the Second Amendment. I have a 20-gauge Remington, a Model 1100 for bird hunting. And I support, as I said, the Second Amendment. But why do we need to have military-style weapons in our society? What do they want to do with that? You're going to turn venison into hamburger. It's, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And, and I think that whether it's by legislation or constitutional amendment or executive order, and I've signed plenty of them as your governor before, I know how to do it. But we can work with the legislature because I guarantee you right now, there are those members in the legislature that are Republican are being suppressed also. Senator, you know that. I know that. And if you work with them and if you give them some respect and you develop relationships, you might do better. But if you can't and you have to stop them, that's a veto pen. I've used it before. I'll use it again. All right. We're starting with Nikki on this next question. Uh, mass shootings garner a great deal of attention. We know that when these mass shootings occur. But there are several shootings every week in our communities that don't garner as much attention, but are just as painful for those family members. As governor, what can you realistically do about the gun violence in the communities? Yep. Over the last three and a half years, I have had multiple roundtables with people involved in this conversation from family members who have lost loved ones, from with the individuals in Moms Demand Action, having these exact conversations. The problem is we got to change the hearts of Americans. We got to change the culture of our society. When Republicans are, are excited about getting their NRA endorsements and they're excited about having commercials holding their guns of who can be the most pro amendment too. We've got to go in here and also be looking at where the money comes from. Why are we not having a syntax 
on every single gun that is bought in the state of Florida and the ammunition that is purchased here in the state of Florida. We got to go after the money, but we got to change the hearts and the minds of the people of our state and the people of our country. Look, look what we did tobacco. And tobacco used to be cool because tobacco used to be something that everybody used to smoke. But with the truth campaign and money that put put into it, you talk to the next generation and they think it's disgusting. That is what we have to do in America. We have to put money into actually changing the way people view weapons and especially in our black communities who have talked to so many people across our state, hearing that an individual can have been gunned down and shot, and us elected officials come into those communities, have press conferences, and then you never hear from us again. That has to stop. We need to continue to show up and continue to show that those individuals are going to be held accountable. Sure. Well, Jim, you're talking about uh the rash of shootings within our communities that aren't mass shootings. So how do we address that? How does the governor make that better? Several ways. Better policing. And I mean by better training. And they got to have more money to do that. I am for legalizing recreational marijuana for the state of Florida. And if I'm elected governor, we'll get it done. Now, what will that do? It'll give us the opportunity to both regulate it and tax it. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. We can use those funds that the, ta- the state would collect to help teachers get the pay they deserve because we're 49th out of 50 states. But we can also use it for police. I will fund the police, particularly police training. So we have community policing. So we have police chiefs like I do in St. Petersburg, Chief Holloway. He's a great man, understands the community, works hard to try to make sure that each cop that's on the beat knows that community, knows the people, understands when a kid is having trouble. You know, find out when there may be a problem arising soon and fend it off and make sure that you practice prevention. And one final thing, I believe in the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. It's a simple rule, but it's so important. We have to have more civility in our society. We have to calm down the rhetoric. We have to be decent to one another and respect one another. And a lot of these problems will go away just by doing what Jesus Christ said at the Sea of Galilee at the Sermon on the Mount. Practice the golden rule. Annette? Thank you. I I will tell you, I have been in the neighborhoods way too often when a child is gunned down It is not a mass shooting, but there is a mom that has lost their child and have joined together, for example, with so many different groups that have formed, unfortunately, because there's so many moms, like mothers fighting for justice in my area. It is just really appalling that we as a state do not think of how do we make sure that we have a pathway to a brighter future for our kids than a pathway to prison. And I will tell you about policing and what I've been doing is actually, we have a monthly meeting in my district of police, community leaders, clergy, everyone together. And as far as investing, we need to invest in mental health as well. So 
all these Republicans are now saying mental health, mental health. I'm like, you know how we get mental health? We expand Medicaid. All of you guys have refused to. And yet I've sponsored it every single session. You want to invest in that? Let's do that. But we also have to invest in our kids early on. We need to expand pre-K to a full day so that kids have an actual opportunity instead of remedial as they get into schooling. And they have the support because many parents have to work multiple jobs. So we need a full day so they can be there with teachers and learn all the things they need to learn. Um, Nikki's chomping. Tell you what, I'm going to break in here. We'll go right back to that forum. But I wanted to remind people that you're listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. This is the Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. I'm bringing you the three leading candidates for Democratic for, for governor in the state of Florida. Annette Tadeo, Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, and Congressmember Charlie Crist from St. Petersburg, who was governor from 2007 to 2011. The forum was moderated by Jim DeFiti from CBS4 in Miami. And so we're going to continue with that. We're going to hear right now a follow-up from Annette Tadeo, I believe, uh, talking again about guns. But you're listening to WMNF Tampa. Send me an email, dj at wmnf.org, and tell me who you think is winning this, this uh, candidate forum and who you might vote for in August if you're voting in that primary. It's something. So I am. Go, go ahead. I'm gonna, I, we're going to be a little loose, but I'm going to rein it in. But go ahead. What I mean, do you want to say? I'll be very quick. You know, Charlie mentioned about where money should go for when we legalize recreational marijuana here in the state of Florida. You know where that money needs to go? It's not policing. That money needs to go back into the communities that have been the most harmed by the war on drugs. Because you want to stop criminal activity, you want to stop violence, you reinvest in our minority communities because that is where the money needs to go. And what the war on drugs has done to our society and to our state is putting more black and brown people in jail every single day. That is where the money needs to go when it comes to legalization. Okay, let me, let, Charlie, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to respond to what Nikki just said, feel free to. Well, of course, what she said is obvious. We all will do that. You know, we'll give it to school teachers. We'll make sure that we give it to training in police forces and we'll have it in our communities. That's a no brainer. Thank you. Annette, anything you want to add on this? I want to give you an opportunity. <laughs> um, just that, you know, as, as I heard the talk about electing uh, Democrats up and down the ballot, I would like to talk about the fact that we need to make sure that all of us actually work on that and not help people like Manny Diaz and Frank Cartiles get elected. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I, I didn't do that <laughs> for the record. Wait, I was going to say, so let's, so we broke the code here, but let's not talk in code. What, what specifically are you saying? Well, I will tell you, Nikki said that it's really important for us to make sure that we elect Democrats up and down the ballot. And I agree. I was chair of Miami-Dade Democratic Party. And by gosh, I recruited Daniela Levin-Cava and all a bunch of people so we could actually take over the county commission so we could have good school board members serving on the school board. And so I take offense to say as though the rest of us haven't done that. I have done that. And we have not, you haven't seen me in a shirt knocking for somebody who gets support from the NRA, who gets support from the charter schools. That is a problem. So I guess you just admitted to those text messages. So the reality of the situation is this. No, I didn't. Yeah. I have nothing to do with any text messages. I have no money, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> right, wait, so wait, wait, wait. good luck. Let's, 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 let's try to rein it in. Go ahead. 
Nikki, I'll get, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I do want to move on to affordable housing next, so, but I'll give you a chance yep. to respond to this. You know, I spent eight years up in Tallahassee fighting for the people of our state, fighting for foster care children. And the greatest piece of legislation till to this day that I passed with Republican help because we don't have enough Democrats in Tallahassee. That is the reality of the situation and was able to get a right to counsel for our children in need, fighting for our public education system. If we had more Democrats in Tallahassee, but the reality of the situation is that we do not have enough for it to pass all the legislation that we need. I am proud of my record in Tallahassee, of the things that I was able to get accomplished. And you know what? Those individuals that you're talking about, Annette, one was happened to be the chair of the education committee. And because of that relationship was able to stop on numerous occasions, the futuring of charter schools and the keeping of money in our public education system. Okay, let's, I, I do, I, I think you're fine on this. You're, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's move on to, I want to turn to housing because I think the affordable housing crisis is, is, is incredibly important. And this one, we're going to start with you, Charlie. Sure. Um, I'd like to really hear, I mean, rather, other than just sort of saying we need to better spend the Sadowski fund, which is the money set aside to build and do affordable housing. And that's certainly not an insignificant thing, what I just said. But I'd really like to hear specifics from you regarding affordable housing. Should there be rent stabilization, rent control? Should there be, you know, what are the, what are the ways in which we can make the living in Florida, which is now maybe the most expensive state in the country to live in, better for people out there. We are the most expensive state in the country. This came out, I think it was Forbes about two weeks ago. We are more expensive to live in than California and New York. And it's Ron's fault because he's focused on 2024 and his own ambition instead of, I mean, he cares more about the White House than your house. And so your house, thank you. Your house is incredibly expensive. The median home in Florida now costs half a million dollars. That's nuts. And, and the rent is through the roof. And forget about property insurance. They had a mock session, Democrats excluded, Senator. We're they turning had a to mock- property insurance next, I promise you. Okay. First, right, same with right. affordable housing, if you could. Sure, sure. Well, Sadowski Fund is important, Jim. It's, it's hundreds of millions of dollars, and they basically wiped it out and tried to wipe out half of it on a permanent basis. We need to repeal that law. Number two, we need to work with our federal partners. The Secretary at Housing and Urban Development is a former colleague of mine in the House of Representatives in Washington, Marsha Fudge. Listen, if, if we have a Democratic governor that's a friend of hers named Charlie, I can go to her in the Biden administration and appeal for more help for our people to make sure everybody can get a roof over their head. Third, I would appeal to mayors across the state, like my mayor, Ken Welch in St. Petersburg, first black elected mayor of my hometown. I'm so proud of him. He's put about $70 million for housing for citizens, predominantly in South St. Pete, where the problem is the most acute. That's what you do. You work with people, try to work across the aisle, do what's right for them. Annette. Thank you. I will say that um, you are right about the Sadowski, but I've, <laughs> I think we need to pass a law, which is why I've been a co-sponsor of a law to not allow the rating of the trust fund. And that is essential if we, no matter who is up there, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. But if I were governor, I would call a state of emergency on our housing crisis. Because, for example, we just went up there to Tallahassee, but we got... 
nothing about rental the rental crisis, which is affecting a lot of people and not just people who need help. I mean, regular people. A month ago, I got my renewal for my rental home because we sold our home and got priced out of our own neighborhood. And the renewal said, if you want to renew the lease, it's going to be a 50% increase, five zero. Wow. Think about that. That's me. Imagine people who are working paycheck to paycheck. That's what they're going through. And that's why, yes, I think if we named, if we actually signed and said we have a state of emergency, we would, with our pen, be able to at least temporarily put a cap on the percentage that the rent is going up so we can stabilize the market. And that would be something that Ron DeSantis can do right now, but he has refused to because he doesn't care about regular people and how much they're suffering and how they're trying to figure out where to go and where to live. So as I spent the entire year last year traveling our state, talking to people, again, one thing that I heard consistently was about housing. It was a fact that you saw rent increasing in some areas by almost 60%, and you just heard Annette's story. You heard individuals that were losing the American dream of buying a home, slipping through their hands, whether it is just graduating from college or just moving here or seniors that can no longer afford their homes. I have asked the governor to declare a state of emergency, and I have said that on day one, that is exactly what I would be doing, is declare a housing emergency because that is exactly what is happening here in our state. And the fact of the matter is that when you do that, you allow to start using reserves dollars towards building more affordable homes. We have gutted $2.3 billion of the Sadowski Fund from four governors in a row. All four have gutted the Sadowski Fund to the tune of $2.3 billion. So we start building more affordable homes. But the other aspects is when you have a state of emergency, you then have your attorney general and your state attorney start going after predatory landlords because that is exactly what this is. This is pure, pure greed. And that has to stop. I also have proposed having the largest tax decrease in and tax cut in Florida's history from $50,000 of homestead exemption to $100,000. That will save our homeowners an opportunity to keep money in their pockets. We know we have a housing crisis and we've got to be working across the board in our local governments, in our state government and with our federal partners to work on giving people that American dream. All right. I, I, as, as promised, I wanted to turn because I want to divide them because they're related, but they're separate. Property insurance. People are seeing property insurance and sometimes people out there think to themselves, well, I don't own a home, so my property, so it doesn't really affect me. Well, guess what? The person who owns your home is paying it, so they're passing that along in terms of increasing your rent. So let's talk about property insurance, the special session on a property insurance, which just wrapped up. Will the legislature, what the legislature do, what they just did... Would lower rates, and if not, what action should be taken? Annette, we're going to start with you. No, it will not lower rates. And as a matter of fact, they actually said it <laughs> on the floor of the Senate and the House uh, that, you know, maybe 18 months, maybe never. Look, the Democrats, including many of them in the audience right here, had plenty of opportunities for them to pass our amendments, which clearly would have helped homeowners. What did we do? We bailed out the insurance companies, but homeowners got zero of a bailout. As a matter of fact, in South Florida, one of our amendments was my amendment. In South Florida, we're allowing insurance companies to discriminate. 
They're allowed to sell anywhere in the state, but they can say, we don't want to sell to Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade. Well, that is not okay. If you want to sell in Florida, you need to include us. Because by the way, this special session, we didn't even touch citizens insurance, which all of us are left as the insurance of last resort because of the fact that we're discriminated against. We have Republicans right now that voted against that. They voted for them to be able to discriminate against our community. And let me tell you, those hurricanes, they don't just hit South Florida, and we know that. And we need to do so many things, so many things when it comes to making sure that there is a balance, that we actually reduce it, that we actually put a, a rate cap, that we put a freeze. Lauren Book had a freeze uh, amendment. It didn't go through. They just don't want to help regular homeowners. But who did they help? Insurance companies. Vicki? And, and I agree. The fact of the matter is this. They came back up for a special session where we've had senators and House members for years yelling and screaming that this was going to happen, that this was going to happen, that we hear stories of people being dropped, of insurance going through the roof, or they can't find it. We're now over 1.2 million citizens claim cases. That is not okay. The fact of the matter is if we get hit, by one or two hurricanes this season, we could be in a financial wrecking ball here in the state of Florida. And the fact of the matter is that on our dime, they had to come back for a special session and got nothing accomplished that is gonna help the homeowners today, nothing. And we know that there's so many opportunities to do better for the state. Everything from bringing in actually more insurance companies to create more competition. That's how this works is you have more companies in the state of Florida, then you reduce the amount of costs and you have more competition. We've got to be also holding our insurance companies accountable. We need an insurance commissioner who is actually a consumer advocate. And we need to make sure and we need to make sure that we have a plan in place to go after these insurance companies. Everybody wants to complain about the fact that it is the trial bar that is increasing our insurance rates. Who is holding the insurance companies accountable though? If it's not for the trial bar and for the trial attorneys, then we need to do that inside of government. And we have not had that checks and balances here inside the state of Florida. There are some fantastic ideas and it's a shame that none of them passed during session this year session last year or during this special session this year. Joey? Nikki's right. Um, what they did up there was basically tort reform. You know, I mean, not you, Annette. I know that. <laughs> not Senator Pizzo and not Senator Book. But what the Republicans have done, they're in the pockets of the insurance companies. I knew that when I was your attorney general. And I fought them tooth and nail. And we beat the crap out of them because they deserved it because they were abusing you, the people. Then I get elected governor, and shortly after I got elected governor, like I got sworn in in January of 07, by February or March, we had a special set, a real one, on property insurance, and we cut rates by 10%. I know how to do this. I've done it before. Experience matters. I'm running to fight for the people of Florida because you have a governor right now that is fighting for his future and nothing else. He calls us the freest state in America. Well, apparently not if you're a woman and you want the right to choose. Apparently not if you're gay and you don't want to be abused in school. Apparently not if you're black and you want to be able to vote and have drop boxes in your minority community all over the state of Florida. I don't know who he's for, but I know who he's against. Everybody I'm for. Minorities, women, African-Americans, Puerto Ricans. I just got to go to Puerto Rico three weeks ago. What a beautiful place. Did you know, yeah, shout out, 
that there are 1.2 million Puerto Ricans in Florida today. And guess what? Puerto Ricans, my friends, are Americans. So when they get here, all they have to do is register to vote, and it's game over. Thank you. All right, let's, uh, let's turn to uh, health insurance. <laughs> Several of you have mentioned Medicaid expansion. Let's, uh, let's drill down on that a little bit more. You know, I think you're all in favor of expanding Medicaid in Florida. So, that, so I don't want to hear that you're in favor of it. What I want to know is how do you actually accomplish it? And, you know, I know some of you have talked about executive order, although I'm not sure that that will hold up legally. So uh, this question, we start with Nikki. Let's talk about how we how we provide better health insurance and how you get Medicaid expansion done. Yep, this is it has to be a partnership. Uh, we know that there are so many Republicans in the legislature today that have no idea what Medicaid expansion even means, uh, let alone these so-called strings that are supposedly attached to it. So what we have to do is roll up our sleeves. We have to go into every one of these communities that are red have town halls, invite the local elected officials, whether it is the House member, or the Senate member, let them hear from their own constituents about what is happening in our healthcare industry. Let them hear, especially in our rural communities, how they don't have access to hospitals or to clinics or general healthcare. Let them hear that and then go against their own people. We've got to be doing this hand-by-hand -hand combat to make sure that we are working with our Republican legislature because we have to get this done, because it's the right thing to do. And if we didn't see the fact that we have a healthcare crisis in the state of Florida, look at what just happened during this pandemic. The amount of people who died in our state because they didn't have correct information, they didn't have access to healthcare, the fact of the matter is that this pandemic hit our black and brown communities worse than any other sector of our state. We have to do better and we owe it to them to do better. You know, we know that we are the number one state for Obamacare. That tells me that we have failed the people of our state and that they're having to go to Obamacare as their last resort. We've got to be expanding Medicaid, but we've got to be working with our partners in order to get that accomplished. Charlie? Yeah, uh, thank you, Jim. Incredibly important question. <clears throat> How do you get it done? Rhetoric is easy. How you get it done is important. And why is it important to expand Medicaid? Nikki's right, Annette's right. We all agree on this because we are compassionate people. We're Democrats, right? And <laughs> that is what it is. I've seen the light. I'm so glad to be with you. I have no idea. But at any rate, no, I'm serious. Um, how you get it done, I think executive order is the way to go. I really do. And, and the, the reason I feel that is because of experience again. I had an executive order because you wonder, you know, it's, it's got to be an emergency in order to sign an executive order that's going to be effective, have teeth in it, and last and stand up in court. The last time I had to do one of those was when we had early voting. And it was, you know, John McCain versus Barack Obama presidential race 2008 the lines in south florida were ridiculous you know we had early voting dan gelber then senator calls me up and he said governor you need to do something to help this sign an executive order expanding the hours of early voting and i'm like dan do i have the authority to do that he goes i don't know but you got a general counsel there find out so i asked the general counsel he said governor i don't think you have the authority and i said well look i'm a lawyer too and i was attorney general before i got here so let's talk I said, what is it in the statute that you think bars this? He said, it says it has to be an emergency. I said, okay, we're a democracy yet, aren't we? Yes. We, can't, we have people that can't vote? That's right, sir. 
That's an emergency. Go draft the order. I'll sign it. And we expanded it. We can do it there. We can do it for Medicaid. I think that we actually have pretty close to the votes in the legislature. This is one issue that I've actually, again, sponsored every year and talked about quite a bit. And it is a huge part of our budget. We end up covering a tremendous amount of our health care budget because we haven't expanded Medicaid. And that's our money that we sent to Washington. So we have to make the business case. And I believe that we need to do that. And to do that, we don't just make the business case to the voters. We also make the business case to the legislature. And that is that all of us who have insurance are actually paying for not expanding Medicaid. $2,000, that's the hidden sick tax that all of us are paying because of politics. And by the way, that's every time you go to the hospital, all of us. That hidden sick tax, that number doesn't come from Annette Tadeo or some liberal think tank. It comes from the Florida Chamber of Commerce who did a study as to how much is it costing us, us, the people who have health insurance, to cover for the fact that politics hasn't let us expand Medicaid. I know that there would be some stragglers, but I can tell you with a budget and a line and veto, you can grab your pen and you can get those last few votes that you need to get it done. I know this is something I can get done and I can get passed in the legislature because it makes business sense. Uh, I want to let's just do one quick minute on this because I want to follow up on something that you just said a second ago, Charlie, sort of almost sotto voce. You sort of said it under your breath a little bit. You said, I've seen the light. And that's a reference to the fact that, that you were once a Republican. You were when you were governor, you were a Republican. When you were attorney general, you were a Republican. Do you think that your past as a Republican makes you a stronger candidate to be the Democratic nominee now? I guess I'm just trying to understand a little bit. And do you see that as being a positive or a negative for you? Uh, it's a positive. Listen, you know, we got a lot of Republicans in the state. I was a Republican because mom and dad were. It's the same reason I'm a Methodist. And the more I got into politics, Jim, and the more I saw from my former party, and I don't want to paint too broad a brush here. There are good Republicans, plenty of them, all across this beautiful state. But there's a certain amount that aren't so great. And what I saw when I hugged Barack Obama in Fort Myers, Florida, trying to get the Affordable Care Act passed. In fact, it passed that day. I'm proud to tell you that. But I introduced him. He invited me to go. My staff said, are you sure you want to go next week to be with the president and Fort Myers? And I said, yeah, why do you ask? They said, well, you know, he's a Democrat. I said, he's the president of the United States of America, and I am going. And he's coming here to help us. And we embraced. And some people were disappointed about that in my former party. But soon I began to realize what they were really disappointed about wasn't the fact that he was a Democrat. He was the first black president broke my heart. But, Nikki, I just want to give you a chance to, to do you see Charlie being, having been a Republican and now being a Democrat? Is there a, is, do you have a problem with, uh, with, with that now as he runs for the Democratic nomination? I do. Charlie, you're a really nice guy, <laughs> but we have serious issues today. We've got serious issues that are on our plate today. Everything from gun violence to abortion to voting rights to healthcare, to our LGBTQ plus community. These are all issues that you fought for. You fought to get 
the NRA's past boss into the Women's Hall of Fame. I fought for gun violence. What are you talking about? Charlie? You are the one who just signed yesterday that you're against Charlie? assault weapons. Where have you been? Charlie, you want to look at my record on guns? We can have that conversation. I kicked the NRA out of my office. I have stood with the Parkland families. I have changed directions on a huge case that's going to be in the Supreme Court next in two weeks. You were the NRA's candidate for most of your career. The issues that we are fighting for today, your past record is what got us here. No, I never fought against assault weapons. All my life I did. And you just came around and nope, saw the light nope, on nope. assault weapons yesterday. I, it had nothing to do with that. I have made a very clear statement that I don't sign pledges. And the reality of the situation is, is when my friend David Hogg called me and says, Nikki, we need you to sign this. I said, I will sign it for you. You know, I've always been here with you, but I will sign a document, a document that has no actual actions attached to it. I have been with the Parkland families and the Moms Demand Action. I have stood to kick the NRA out of my office. Okay, I have been sued by the NRA me, and have won. All right, let me, let me, wait, 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 wait a second. May I respond? Let me just get Annette in here and then, and then go ahead. Annette? Of course. If you want. I mean, if, if you just want to sit back, that's good too. I, I, I think we shouldn't throw stones if we live in glass houses. That's all I have to say. All right, Charlie, I'll give you a quick, just, just 10 seconds. Yeah, I was going to echo what Annette just said. Listen, we, we have a common opponent, and it isn't us. You know, let's not tear each other down, Nikki, to, you know, work on the primary. Things are going well in this primary for me. I'll admit it. I know it. And so when that happens, other opponents may take shots. But our shots need to be directed at the real problem we're all having in Florida, and his name is Ron DeSantis. Okay, let me, uh, let's, let's go back 90 seconds again. Let's go back to, I want to talk about, and we're going to start with you on this one, Charlie, because that's the regular order. Uh, Supreme Court is likely to strike down Roe versus Wade in the next few weeks. Um, currently, the state law in Florida is that it now bans abortions after 15 weeks, even in cases of rape, incest, or human trafficking. Uh, next session, there will likely be bills, whether you're the governor or not, there's likely to be bills banning abortion entirely. And um, I guess other than threatening a veto, are we at the 15-week mark and, and we just have to hold the line there? Or how, what, what, is, what do you do moving forward as, as governor, if you're elected, for women's reproductive rights? Everything we can. And but let me be, be specific. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about to be. Uh, let me be perfectly clear what I'm going to say. So I, I was a young state senator. This is in 1995. And I was a Republican, Nikki, Annette, at the time. But I still had a heart. And I was raised with three sisters and, that, and a mother, obviously. And that gave me my heart. For women and respecting them and respecting their right to make their own decisions about their body and their health care. So a bill comes before us, Jim, in the health care committee in the state Senate that said it was going to mandate a 24 hour waiting period for a woman. I voted no. And it died on a 3-3 vote because I voted no. Fast forward to when I'm your governor. When I was your governor, a bill came to me in 2010. I was a Republican at the time. I did this as a Republican. Imagine what I'll do as a Democrat. The bill comes to me. You're damn right. The bill comes to me and it says a woman has to get an ultrasound and pay for it. Talk about mean-spirited before 
uh, having a procedure if that's what she elects to do. I vetoed it. Proud to veto it. As a Republican, I'll do it as a Democrat. I'm the only person running for governor who's actually already vetoed an anti-abortion bill. I'll do it again. I did it before. You can trust me. Thank you. Annette? Look, um, this is a major concern. I am uh, the mother of a young daughter. I, I can't believe that we are in a stage in a heart country's history where my daughter will have less rights than I have had. But that's literally where we're at. And it's so sad that we are having to fight the fights that her grandmother fought. And the reality is, I, I believe that all of us will do, whoever of us makes it to the governor's mansion, will do everything in our power to make sure that we repeal the laws that have been passed, but also that we veto any new laws they try to pass. But it is so important because now it's going to be up to the states if indeed what we think the Supreme Court is doing gets, it happens. It's going to be awful. And for me, I mean, this is, this is also about healthcare and just about having rights. And look, there are countries where they tell women what to do with their bodies. And those are communist countries. Those are countries where they get to say what you get to do, not the United States. We should have the privacy rights that the state of Florida has in their constitution. So I wouldn't just go against the laws. I would actually use the legal team to fight through in courts to say this is unconstitutional according to the state of Florida because we have a right to privacy in our constitution. Nikki? This is a pivotal moment in our history and in our society. I want to say thank you to the women that came before me, whose shoulders that I am standing on today, who fought this fight before. And I'm going to ask you to fight it again. I've been to more pro-choice rallies in the last three weeks than I have been to any type of rallies in my entire career. And we have to make sure that we trust the person who is going to be in that governor's mansion to fight for a woman's right to choose. This is healthcare. I've heard so many stories my entire life of back alleys, of hangers, of women being bodies being thrown out if they happen to bleed out onto tables. I will use the full weight of the governor's office to not only push forth a constitutional amendment that expands our right to privacy that is here in the Florida Constitution. And we'll do again what I did as commissioner, that I will change and be a plaintiff with individuals to shoot down the to shoot down any of these 15-week bans or full-out ban that the governor is pushing now. Well, that was Nikki Freed, one of the three Democratic candidates for governor who participated in a forum on Saturday hosted by the Miami-Dade Democratic Party and moderated by Jim DeFeedy from CBS4 in Miami. The other two were Charlie Crist and Nikki Freed. Both Crist and today and Freed, that is, had two votes from our listeners during the show. The primary is in August. You've been listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. And uh, coming up next is Wavemakers with Janet and Tom Sherberger. Their guests will talk about affordable housing. 
and lifting up neighborhoods and how to fix gun violence. That's coming up after NPR News Headlines on WMNF Tampa. Tomorrow in this time slot, Shelly will host Midpoint. You're listening to commercial-free WMNF Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, and Lakeland. Thanks so much for listening. Live.